There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows that used to be on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve and tonight we'll be discussing episode 7 of season 4 of The Expanse. Oh my god. Yeah, this was a turn I wasn't expecting, that's for sure. No, and I'm like, I seriously, I have goosebumps right now. Because it was one of those things where it's like, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh. Wait, what? Yeah. And then at the end, I'm like, ah! Yeah. So, it was one of those waterfalls of trouble. And a whole lot of WTF moments. Yes. Okay. And Fred, you have said before, yes, I'm addressing you specifically, that <laughs> you don't understand how somebody can drop so many F-bombs. If I was a politician like Ava Solara, and especially in the beginning, I think I would probably be saying everything she said. Yeah. And I can totally feel the anger bubbling up with her because, I mean, everything is happening. It's like, you know what? When will this tornado of terrible stuff ever stop? Right. So I just wanted to say that really <laughs> because I think I said the same thing watching the episode. There was a lot of things coming out of my mouth that probably should not have been said. Thankfully, nobody was around. Right. You don't have <laughs> young children, so. Yes. <laughs> and I'll just throw the ball, make my dog go away so right. she can hear me say these things. <laughs> All right. So, episode seven, A Shot in the Dark. Naomi and Alex work to keep the Barba Piccolo. Piccolo? I can't say that shit. Barba Piccolo. Okay. Or just call it the Barb. <laughs> the Barb. In orbit of it. Amidst a power outage, Avasalara faces a tough decision. Holden and Okoye race to find a cure for a disease spreading on Illus. Because Illus doesn't have enough problems going on. Right. Okay, so let's start with Avasalara because she's my favorite. Yeah. She was watching the speech that she gave regarding the Sojourner and the terrorist attack. And she is just balking at her own presence, believing that she looked weak. Now, I don't feel like she looked weak. I felt like... It was very on point right saying what she needed to get out there before nancy gow started saying too much negativity yeah she at least didn't get up there and pound her fist and yell and scream that we're going to get the belters for this and right uh, yes she definitely kept it very calm cool and collected and which that's not her personality so yes she doesn't like what she's seeing on tv right with her saying especially i should have had a head on the spike essentially but it's like ooh, yeah <laughs> probably not in that moment but yeah i get it 
<laughs> Even her husband, when he shows up to have breakfast with her, is really taken aback by her mm, wrath, we'll say. Yeah, I mean, she was in no mood for her PR people or her husband. No. And you kind of went, damn, because he finally he says, I'm done with you. That actually scared me. Yeah. Because I'm like, wait, what does he mean? Yeah. Does he mean he's done? Like, I thought that meant, like, all right, you want to act like this? I'm done with it. I'm not going to deal with you anymore. Yeah. Goodbye. Like, a final goodbye. Yeah. But no, it oh. was goodbye for the night. Yes. Thankful. <laughs> I'll talk to you when you're calmer. <laughs> Thankful for that, I will tell you, because my heart was in my throat. Yeah. Now, fortunately, like you said, the next morning, she apologizes to him for yes. her comments and attitude the night before. And I'm wondering if it has something to do with this next moment that we see because she's in a situation room with several advisors and she learns that Marco is the infamous Belter Rebel who's responsible for the Sojourner. And it's like, okay, great. Now what? Well, he happens to be on a freighter, the Pazuza, which I'm probably saying all these names wrong. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> but she's given a few options. One is launch a missile at the ship and totally destroy it, or do more of a precision strike where you knock out the engines and board the ship and try to arrest him because she's thinking, and she happens to say it out loud, if we can get him and put him on trial, that's going to look even better. Right. But she had not made a decision. She's like, get everything in place. I'll make a decision. But I want the two options on the board. Right. Which is the first time that we've seen her actually think about what she's doing and not go flying into it. Right. Like she's looking at the whole the right. whole chess board and or, trying to decide what piece to move. Yeah. Because in the previous season, she would have just said, launch the missiles and blow that ship to hell. Yeah, because when we do see the UNN ship carrying out Avatar's plan, she decided for option two, and they board, and they're trying to take Marco, but it seems that either Marco's not there, right? and it was some kind of setup, which I am totally pointing a finger at Nancy Gao, right? or something extreme happened because the soldiers infiltrated the ship, they're asking everybody, where's Marco? Where's Marco? He seems nowhere to be found. And all of a sudden, a gunfight erupts, and we see like all life signs go dead. And suddenly we hear, this is Marine One. The ship is gone. Right. So I'm like, wait, did they blow the ship? Like, did the OPA have some kind of involvement? Did Marco kill everybody and then kill himself? Is there some kind of like jump drive or something where they're suddenly like way further away? Like, I did not know what was happening. Right. All you seen was Avaslar's face. And knowing that this massacre just played out and it was on her watch, yep. what does this mean for her? Because somehow, you know, Gao is going to release footage. Like, she's going right. to have this somehow. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. She will find out about it and get it out all over the place. But this is exactly the kind of thing that Marco will use or whoever is working on Marco's behalf if he is, happens to be dead. Because what did he say? They're going to be the first to break the truce. Right. And I was just thinking, oh, this is such a big setup. Yep. 
Marcos probably was never even on the ship. It was a nice little uh, video editing move to superimpose his face over another crew member. Just enough to get either the UN or drummer's attention and get that to the UN so this would happen. Now, of course, I'm sure they would have much rather, knowing Ava Solara, that she'd just blow the ship up. But it's very possible that the crew of that ship were followers of Marcos Mm -hmm. and were willing to die anyway, and they probably did detonate the ship to get rid of it so the UNN would be blamed by the other belters. Like, so many things going through my head, like, oh, what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, Ava Solara's got more than her hands full worth of shit. Yeah, definitely. And it don't get any better. No. For anybody. <laughs> <laughs> because let's head over to the Rossi, who has, I don't know, a sliver of hope, I guess, amongst everything that's happening. Trying to, at least. Because Naomi, Alex, and Lucia are mulling over solutions about the Barb's orbiting problem, and Alex vows that the Rossi will accept every crew member and not let anybody go down with the ship. Now, of course, that's assuming they will come over. Right, because it doesn't sound like they're going to give up their ship because, (laughs) as Lucia says, they might as well be dead if they lose the lithium. Yes. Because they won't be able to try to even start a colony anywhere else. Right. Really interesting because you don't think about that. But all right, makes total sense. That was going to be their way to try to basically set up on another planet. Yeah. Bring more people in if they're able to. So later on, Lucia regales Alex with a story from when Felsia was a child and they were on Ganymede and how she loved going to the biodomes and looking at the massive mirrors. And I thought it was because she liked shiny things, but no, she wanted to know how this worked. Right. And I love how it's just something just in the moment. It's like you're thinking about one thing and how this was sweet and I cherish this moment with my child, and suddenly it's like, wait a second. It was actually Alex who tells her a story about having to get some sand from Earth for his son, and bringing back that moment, and then saying, yeah, I've blown it with my family. You still have the opportunity to save yours, and then it hit her that, oh, I know how to save the barb. But it's still just the whole, oh, I'm going to remember everything and oh, I'll live in, not in the past, but kind of like right. relive that moment. And even though I think she was listening to Alex and it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's hard. And wait, 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 wait. We cannot give up light bulb moment. Right. Sometimes you just have to listen to somebody else. And again, <laughs> light bulb happened when we were talking about another show recently. Yes. <laughs> so Naomi called Felsi on the barb and of course Felsi is like I didn't want to talk to her she's like yeah shut up that's not what we're doing here right because we have an idea and I love that Felsia after she hears the plan about weaving together and welding some of the mining nets together to create a, a tow cable right she's like 
you came up with this plan? Right. It's like, yeah, not everything is horrible. Jeez, kid. (laughs) And suddenly it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do this. So it's not as easy as just like, oh, let's just get this together because it has to be a kilometer long, which is a lot that they have to do. But it will help by attaching both ships and Rossi will be able to pull the barb out of Illus's orbit. Or at least higher up. Right. Theoretically. Yes, theoretically. But it gets a little bit more complicated, but Felsia is able to throw in an additional idea. Because of all the lithium, they're going to have to add a couple extra components because you can't just pull it by the nose. Right. And so had they not actually talked all this out together, they would have not been able to figure this out. Right. It would have been a disaster. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed, this is going to work. Right. Until at least they're able to get the reactors going, getting out of whatever weird giant it's EMP is like happening. Right. No, it's not technically an EMP. I don't know the technical term for what's happening. So just don't get mad at me that I'm using the wrong terms. <laughs> Let's go down to the planet, which for a second, when you see the planet, I'm like, oh, look at there's so much water and, and land. Oh, this looks like it, it really is a second Earth. Right. But it's probably not good because of things that are happening. Right. We see the Belter settlement nestled within the machine. So obviously they were able to find dry areas and only right. some of the water came in. Yep. And Mertry has separated his people from the Belters. I'm so surprised. Uh, yeah. Yes, this is my surprise face. Mm. No, it's not. <laughs> And uh, we do see that rations are in short supply, which is really not good because the water is not receding as quickly as they had hoped. Right. Whereas we're thinking the waters aren't going to recede for, what, a week or more? Miss Chiwiwi has told Holden, we don't have that much in supplies. We're looking at a day or two. Right. It's like, oh, crap. Just what Holden needed to hear. Right. And I love it because she feels left out of Holden's grand plan. And he's like, I don't exactly have a plan. Right. <laughs> but she just keeps saying, well, what can we do to help? It's like, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on. I was. It's like one step at a time. Yeah. Earthquake happened. Shockwave happened. Flooding happened. I was just trying to get out of the shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, she was right there and she's seen everything that was happening. It's not like he's like, <laughs> let me have this giant plan to make these people work together. That wasn't it. Not at all. He is so far in the dark because Miller has just been like, eh, I'm going to screw off over here and never come back and talk to you. Yeah, he's gone MIA. And, oh, it's going to go from bad to worse because Akoye is examining Jacob's eye and he has the symptoms, itchiness, the green hue, and now little green dots. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I have similar issues. Right. Just not green. Oh my gosh, I have an alien parasite in my eye. But Akoye just like, uh, it's just an allergy, eye infection. I'm going to get a get a remedy together. I just have to examine everybody. So Akoye is examining everybody and decides to come to talk to Holden and Murtry. Thankfully, they're together because weirdly, Murtry is being cooperative, even though we know something's up his sleeve. 
Yes. And Okoye tells them everyone's infected with this organism that was probably dormant on this planet for a really long time. And it's in everybody's eye and it's chilling in the vitreous fluid and making little green eye babies right now. Yeah. <laughs> and Mertry's like, wait, what? I thought you said it was an allergy. She's like, oh, I didn't want everybody to freak out. Yeah. <laughs> because left untreated, everyone's going to go blind. And Mertry's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Okoye is like, I have to finish checking. I have to check Holden. He's the last one. And she checks him twice. She's like, yeah. wait, you don't have anything. Are you immune somehow because of your little imaginary ghost friend? I love that's how Mertry keeps calling him. Right. <laughs> well, you know what, Mertry? You want to be a jackass? You won't get any of the antidote if they find it. Right. Because Holden is the only one who's not messed up. But you think it's just a little ghost friend. Hmm. 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 That's all yeah. I'm going to say. <laughs> but can Okoye come up with some kind of antibiotic, I'm going to say? Right. Because, yeah, basically they can only assume it is an infection and treat it like such. Right. But this is where things are getting complicated because Amos, you see what he sees and there's a slight green hue. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Not Amos. We need this, him. Yes. And especially because we see him bonding with that little boy. That yeah. Chike. Holden saved. Yeah. Yes. What's his name? Chikey? Yeah. And oh my God, it was really sweet the moment that was happening. Like, I seriously had a text, Steve. I'm like, oh my God, look how sweet this is with Amos. <laughs> I am not used to Amos being like that. But no. We also have never seen him really re interact with children. Right. And the fact that the kid says again, my dad went out looking for my mom, and they didn't come back. And he's like, yeah, but they saved you. That's the parent's job. And I'm like, oh, my heart. Yeah. I can't take this. And then he even tells the kid, do you see that pretty lady over there? As he's looking at his booty call. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not used to Amos being like this. No, he's so much different than last <laughs> season. He has changed immensely. And I love the way he's changed because he's still Amos and he's still a badass when he needs to be. But it's like he's opening himself up a little. Yeah, he's softening up. I don't know. Plant Man did it to him. <laughs> I wasn't say I don't know what caused Terry it, Chin. but yeah, if you yeah, think his yeah. relationship with the the botanist from last season kind of got him thinking about things a little differently. See, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yep. Oh my gosh, people are just breaking away at that ice all around Amos. But man, I don't think Amos is going to fully change. He, If you need him to be badass, he's going to be like, bam, I'm there. Yep. We do see Amos, who does have to tell Holden, too, that, yeah, I've seen some of the green stuff, too. And Holden is like, all right, you know what? I am not going to lie to you, Amos. This is what's happening. This eye infection is spreading. And I don't have it, but everybody else seems to. So Okoye is trying to come up with something, but we got like a day before everybody goes blind. Because right before that, Amos is like, if we don't get stuff together, we're going to lose probably half of these people. Right. And then when he finds out that they're going to go blind in a day, he's like, we're going to lose more than half of these people. Yeah. I'm like, stop saying things like this. <laughs> no. Yeah. And Holton's like, no, we're going to save everybody. I'm going to save you because I need you. Right. And I'm like, don't you dare. Don't you fuckers dare take no, Amos away. No, yes, absolutely not. 
We've been through too much. Yep. And if they're going to take Amos, Christina, you better tell me so I can prepare. Yeah. (laughs) I will not spoil it for everybody else, but I need my own preparation. (laughs) That being said, we get to see Murtry, of course, testing Chandra's loyalty again. But we find out a whole lot more about what's driving Murtry now. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because we find out how money, 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 right? Money rules the universe, apparently. And how he was essentially screwed out of a whole lot of money. But he's like, you know what? If we kind of screw them back, we can make a hell of a lot of money. And Chandra's like, you've never had to pay me for my loyalty before. He's like, well, you know, you and I, we can make a lot of money. I just need to make sure that your little boyfriend doesn't stand in the way. Right. Because he plans to kill Holden one way or another. What? Yeah. Like, if she's not on board with this, and she's just trying to be like, all right, I just need to make sure that I'm safe. She played that off really well. Yeah, there's still some doubt in my mind as to which side she'll actually stand on when push comes to shove. I'm worried. I really am. But I don't know, especially with what starts happening, how far Murtry's willing to push it. Because with Holden at this point being the only one who is not going to be blind in like a minute. Right. He can take you out and nobody will know, Murtry. But if you take him out, everyone's going to know it was you. Yep. Like, even if it wasn't you physically. So it's just interesting to see what's going to happen. But we get to see more bad stuff start happening. Oh, absolutely. Because, hey, wait a second. I see daylight. This is probably not good. What is this (laughs) just going to open up all of a sudden? It started with one of the belters trying to steal a some water from Murtry's group and Murtry actually lets him have it. And you kind of go, wow, that's awful uh, nice of you. Right. And again, it's like, what? Yeah. Head scratch. Part of his plan. Yeah. And we see a pool of flood water that has been coming in through said giant crack. So again, not good. Maybe we need higher ground. But hey, you know what? We can use this to purify and drink, right? Maybe? Nah. No, no. Things, <laughs> I don't think so. Things can't be that easy for us because suddenly we see one of the guys who was trying to start a fight with the belter laying dead. And his buddy goes and finds, I think it was Jacob, wasn't it? Or was it just one of the belters? I think it was just one of the belters. And he's like, you killed my friend. And I'm like, oh, great. This is what we need right now. Right. And he tries to drown him in that flood water. And of course, back and forth, back and forth. Amos is going to shoot him. Murtry's like, I'll shoot you myself. When he gets up, he lets the guy go. But when he gets up, he has like slugs on him. Now, where they were placed. Right. I thought somehow the water pulled the stuff out of the guy's eyes. And they turned into these weird slugs. Now, that could be a possibility because they first, you know, get the green eyes infection when there was a whole lot less water. Right. So it's very possible the flood has allowed those organisms to grow and this is what they become. Okay. But. So I'm right there with you. Like being pulled out of their eyes. Right. Because. 
suddenly this guy pulls the slugs off and starts having some kind of reaction and dies. Right. And the third guy, who was one of Mercury's men that was starting the crap, has a slug fall on his head. And he takes it off. He's like, what the heck? And then he has some kind of reaction and dies. And I love it. They're all like, what the hell? Where are they coming from? Thinking, okay, they're coming from that opening. And I'm going to say, I thought those looked like weird slugs from like Riddick. Very much so. And Holden shining the flashlight around the walls and doesn't see anything and then changes it to like, I don't know, like a black light or something. Yeah. Right. And oh my Zod. Yes. Everywhere. It's just like veins of it all over the wall. It's like, are they coming out of there? Are all of those like the slugs? What is this? Miller, you better show the hell up. Yes. (laughs) You got some splaining to do. Right. Because first we get the blinding eye infection, the green eye. Right. And now we have death slugs. Holden cannot catch a damn break. No. And that don't count running out of water and food. And I'll tell you, him and Akwe had a moment when they were talking and she's like, you know, any scientist would kill to have what you to have. Be in, right. To oh, be that was able a great. To talk to and know stuff about this alien life form. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, except if you don't have a choice, it's being forced on you. It's not the same because no. I don't even, I don't get like just the good stuff where I can talk about this and learn about this. No, I'm getting all the deaths that came from this as well. Right. And I don't think that's something like she thinks about, even though she's like, I would totally do it. It's like, but would yeah. you? No. <laughs> I think if she would have been through Eros, she would have a completely different attitude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So this is crazy. And obviously, you know how we feel, but I'm going to share a little bit more feedback from somebody else so you know how they feel. Steve, who do we got on board today? Uh, we have our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided us some feedback, so let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Sean. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the x Season 4, Episode 7. Uh, there are almost too many problems. The problems of the decaying orbit of the Barbacola and having the eye infection and having green slimy animals and having not water enough uh, and the tsunami water is not going down quickly enough. Astonishing was of course the change in policy in Murtry but it shows he has some intelligence that he knows when he has to shift sometimes uh, his attitude the Avicerla part I find less interesting. We didn't see much on or anything on Mars this time. So I'm really waiting for getting some of these stories uh, more intertwined. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Yeah, Fred, we kind of got an avalanche of problems on uh, Ellis <laughs> this episode. I feel like he could totally have <laughs> Holden singing, I got 99 problems because, yeah, and it, it's just surmounting. And I can't believe it's like, yeah, oh, we have this happening, and then this, and then this cheese and rice. Next, 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 next. Yeah, it's never ending. I really, really want Holden to have something good happen, like anything good at this point. Yeah, more than likely, the only good thing is the Ross, you'll get the barb up a 
a few thousand kilometers higher into orbit, so it's not as in immediate danger. Right. But I feel like a transporter would be really good right now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we need the Enterprise just to suddenly be there. Come on. Yep. And McMurtry's shift in attitude, I think it's really only because he sees an opportunity to become filthy rich. So it's really not a shift in attitude. It's a shift in the way he presents himself. So yes, he's offering food and water to the belters just because he knows that he can get rid of them when push comes to shove as long as he gets Holden and Amos out of the way first. But I almost feel with him, it's like that he might be like, you know what? You can have the lithium. I'm going to sell this technology. So That's a possibility as well. It's like win-win for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait for it to be intertwined either. But I still find Avasalara stuff interesting, but I'm kind of weird. But <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's more about how she's having to change the way she deals with certain situations that may or may not work out in her favor. We'll just have to wait and see. Fingers crossed. Yep. But as always, we appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you on the next episode. Thanks, Fred. Hey, Steve, we got more feedback. We do. That's yes. awesome. Christina from Ohio. Let's take a listen. Hello, it's Christina from Ohio with feedback for The Expanse Season 4, Episode 7, A Shot in the Dark. Well, Murtry has solidified his villainy by admitting to Way that he wants to eradicate the Belters for nothing more than profit. And he kind of also wants to get rid of Holden to make sure his profits are actually gained, since Holden has the idea in his head of dragging Murtry back for trial due to his actions. And then my respect for Way definitely went down this episode, because she had no issue with this. Granted, she's not at the point that she's ready to choose Murtry or Amos. However, when it comes to the Belters, whatever happens to them happens to them. I just don't see it going well for their future. And oh great, everyone is going blind and it's just in time for the death slugs that are apparently pouring in from the tsunami, I'm guessing. I'm not sure, but... I wonder if this has something to correlate with the fact that once they got into the ruins, the first thing humanity did was argue and create violence with each other. It just seems things become worse once conflict is involved from both camps. Very minor book spoiler, as Fred pointed out, the water would have seeped down into the ruins. The way they had it in the book, it felt a little bit different on how the ruins were set up, but... The team, when they were down there, were encased in very cold water, ankle deep at least. So in the novel, the effect of the tsunami is consistent. I felt really bad for Amos and his very palpable fear that he is going blind and he won't be able to defend himself. It's a scary thing not being able to have your sight. And I'm sure Holden just thought his BFF was going to have his back. Once he was down there, since he's really doing this all by himself, and it doesn't seem as if Amos is going to be much help. Christian, my love, your head of security told you not only does Marcos use human targets all the time as shields, you're still going to use black sites to interrogate belters via torture? I heard that right. I rewound just to be sure. 
Even Aaron Wright thought that shit was illegal and shouldn't be done. I'm a little disappointed that under her administration, this seems to be a casual conversation and not brought up at all about its legality. Then there's the questionable decision to send the Marines to board and take Marco despite, again, head of security saying, best case, unlikely, worst case, we all die. And yet she sends them in because bringing Marco Naros to trial would be a really good way to help her campaign. Lasai, isn't there a statement about pride before the fall? Or is it just that Abasarala is so used to winning that she hasn't even considered what happens when you lose? Some points about last week's episode. Mars isn't abandoning the terraforming. They are continuing the project, which does require the full labor force of the entire planet which is why they were so annoyed at the idea of going to war via season two Bobby, because now all of their resources was put into that. Now that they're not going to war, their resources are being broken down and everyone is focusing back on the terraforming project because it requires them all. However, the brightest minds are wanting to go to a planet that already has those things and start building a future they can enjoy in their lifetimes, which isn't a bad thing. It's just effectively counterproductive to the society in which dome life is no longer the only option. Good theory on what is happening on the planet, Steve. I think that there's a lot of correlation to that. And while Bobby's events and the Gods of Rest novella seem to not connect, Fred, they will. It all ties into book five. And quite honestly, the next three seasons, you'll be surprised to hear. And also keep in mind that our heroes, with the exception of the Rossi crew, do not interact much until later books. Bobby in particular is not even introduced until much later and really doesn't have a huge plot until book six. So it's going to be a while before one should expect a reconciliation as everyone in the universe at this point has separate goals and lives. Bobby is now a civilian and the Rossi is a transport gunship that occasionally handles comfort missions for Abasarala in regards to the protomolecule. Last, and I probably made this too long, so please cut where you need. Amazon did not actually pour a whole bunch of money into this show. It's the same budget. However, the team has gotten so much better at what they do, it just has a different feel to it. And we're also getting into much more meatier, heavier space opera. That's all I got. Peace. Okay. You've given a lot to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for this awesome feedback. So Yeah, Mercury's uh-huh. True Colors definitely came out in this episode. He's wow. a gritty SOB. <laughs> oh, my God. I just want a slug to land on him. Is that wrong? No. <laughs> He should have been the first one to get slugged. Ugh, me <laughs> and I'm a little mad with what you said, but it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with basically all the stories that technically in the story, Bobby will not be back with the Scooby gang anytime soon in the book. So I'm really hoping they kind of go around that, though. Somehow, some way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I yeah. don't want to wait for like. <laughs> Four more seasons before she's back with the crew. That yeah, that'd be sad. a little tough. But yeah, I, when I heard six books, I went, wow. But I happened to stop at Barnes & Noble this afternoon, and I found four. And I was going, yeah, mm-hmm. My wife looked at me and said, 
not until you stop podcasting as much are you even going to think about trying to read a book that size. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I keep looking at it going, I could do it, but this is going to take a long time. But Christina, we promise we will read them. I swear. It may be a chapter (laughs) a month at the rate I'm going, but it's going to happen. Yeah, it was very interesting that in the books that they were in ankle deep water all the time being in the machine. And that would have made the slugs even more dangerous to them, I would think, because they would be not only on the walls, but all over in the water and they're walking in it. Yeah, yeah, that would really been horrible. Plus, I can just, I'm sorry, I could just see that being really uncomfortable for any length of time to have to deal with that. I mean, I know they're actors and they get paid to basically do that and not make it look like they're super uncomfortable, but still, I could just feel feel (laughs) the water in my shoes just like squish, squish, squish. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it for, oh my God, however long they're in there. So glad they kind of rewrote that a little bit. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate everything, though, because there's so much information that you just gave us with Mars, and I'm, I don't know, I'm still feeling like, even though you said they're not giving up on their terraforming because of everything with the Ring Worlds, which is a whole different book, but no, whatever. I kind of feel like they're still giving up. And then I know that's kind of the point. Like, oh, we want to go explore this and not have to wait generations, but why are you giving up on everything you've had? It's one of those weird, frustrating things, Like, but it's kind of like me gardening. Why am I trying to plant tomatoes that are going to take forever when I could just go buy some right now? So I kind of <laughs> get that point in a really dumbed down, simplistic kind of way, doing, saying it that way. Right. And yes, I really do appreciate you thinking my uh, theory from the previous episode was pretty close, so I'm glad to hear that. I kind of pride myself on nailing one or two things every season and hopefully i'm right on this and we'll just wait and see what the next episode brings and it's also amazing that their budget hasn't changed any since going from sci-fi to amazon that's the same budget but it's yeah they're doing such an awesome job with the uh, effects and with the same amount of money is that's mind-blowing it just (laughs) seems like it's a bigger budget. I don't know. Maybe just the way it's kind of working out. I don't know. It's reusing some old shots or something. I don't know. It's so good, though. And I am just going to be loving this until we no longer have it. Yes. Once again, Christina, we really, really appreciate your feedback. And it's great to hear your voice. Yay. Glad you figured might it have out. To, yeah. Might have to come on an episode. Maybe. Think about joining us for episode 10 and talk about the season as a whole. Oh, that'd be so awesome, Christina. You should totally think about it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Once again, thank you very much, Christina. Thank you. Thank you for all the feedback, everyone. We want more. Oh, my goodness. So, obviously, like I said, you know how we feel. You know how some of our feedbackers feel we want to know how you feel so shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com let us know your thoughts your comments your tinfoil hat theories and if you're the book readers too with this awesome series let us know how you feel it is really being portrayed on screen and of course we ask you to rate and review us on itunes and every other platform you find us on because good ratings and reviews help other fans of this show find us. 
tell your friends about the show because they can totally binge watch it and know everything's going on. And then they can read the books and let me know how everything is. <laughs> we, of course, hope you're enjoying the podcast. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. I lost my family because I couldn't be the man that my wife and little kid needed me to be. And until next time. <laughs>